Good morning, this is Dr. McDaniel. I'm a board certified obstetrician gynecologist in New York City, and I'm bringing to you all things health related for women. Thank you for joining me at the corner today. And today I thought um, it'd be a nice idea to speak about something that I've been, I guess, gathering information on uh, for about three years now. Uh, I read Dr. David Sinclair's book, Lifespan. He is a, a PhD uh, from Australia, and he's working in uh, one of the laboratories, I guess he runs one of the laboratories at Harvard University, and he wrote a book about uh, why we age and why we don't have to age. So I read his book about three years ago, and then I also read about two years ago a book called The Blue Zones. It's by David Butner, and he talks about um, the the nine different, I think it's nine, I can't recall, it's a few different areas in the world where uh, the population on average lives to be over a hundred. Actually, it's two, four, uh, it's five areas in the world where the population lives to be over a hundred and what these areas have in common. So I thought it'd be nice to just uh, speak on that today and then to recommend those two books because they're really, really interesting and very informative. And it uh, gives us all information that we can incorporate in our own lives so that we can live a healthier and a longer life. So no one just wants to clock up hours. Ooh, I got to be 110, but you know, you're demented and uh, bedridden. That's not a great quality of life. But they um, give a lot of tips on how we can live to be healthy and sound mind, good body through 110. So live long, die quickly uh, at a very, very old age is kind of what Dr. Sinclair says. So the, the areas, we call them the blue zones because of the areas where on average the population is to be over 100 years old. There are five of them. One is Akaria, Greece. The other one is Okinawa, Japan. I think a lot of people hear about the Okinawans living over 100 on average. Uh, Sardinia, which of course is right off the coast of Italy. Loma Linda, California. And it's thought that Loma Linda, California is in is one of the blue zones because there are a lot of Seventh-day Adventists who live there and they live a plant-based lifestyle. So that's very interesting. And then lastly is in Costa Rica. It's Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica. Uh, now, what uh, David Butner discovered is that the people in these blue zones have a lot in common in terms of their lifestyle. And he is recommending nine different lifestyle changes um, that he uh, basically supports as the reasons as to why they have such a long, healthy life. The first one he calls stay active. And I'm going to kind of go in and out with a couple of things. Dr. Sinclair, his book, Lifespan, is more technical. So it's a it's kind of a yin and yang with these two books. But his is more technical on specific things to incorporate in your life so that you have a longer lifestyle. But one is stay active. So he says it's not an issue of exercising, like going to the gym, three, four times a week, working out for 30, 45 minutes. That's not what he means by stay active. What he means by stay active is 
what Dr. Sinclair calls losing your breath throughout the day. So uh, figuring out ways to stay active throughout the day rather than just proportioning it to a couple of times a week. So taking the stairs as opposed to an elevator all the time, uh, not just sitting at your desk all day, but getting up, walking around, uh, doing 15 to 20 minutes of a, a nice leisurely walk to help digest your food after a meal. So um, those kinds of activities throughout the day. And if you think about it, uh, uh, in, the, in these areas, a lot of those people are farmers. Uh, so they're out tilling their gardens or the fields for a little bit each day. So um, staying active is a big one throughout the day, not just in portions. The next one is having purpose. And a lot of the um, the kind of meditative gurus and um, a lot of uh, different religions, they, they say that we should have a purpose in life. So fulfilling a purpose in life, uh, according to David Butner, it adds about on average life if you can have a purpose. So um, having a reason for getting up every morning, knowing your why for doing the different activities that you do. Uh, the third one is decreasing stress. And that's easier said than done for a lot of us because we all live very stressful lives, especially this point in time. This is um, 2021. I'm filming this. So it's a very stressful time around the world. And um, stress leads to chronic inflammation. And that's via cortisol uh, pathway. And chronic inflammation is really uh, a linchpin for all of the um, age-related diseases, diseases of modern society. Um, and obviously around the world, there's stress, but it's not so much the stress, it's how you you respond to the stress, how you um, choose to react and to respond to stress. And I've seen that for a long time, um, especially here in New York City. It's a very stressful city to live in. You can't even just leisurely walk down the sidewalk. Nowadays you can't, but in the past you can't, couldn't just leisurely walk down the sidewalk you get kind of swept in the tidal wave of humanity. So you had to rush everywhere unless you were pulled off to the side, you're in one of the parks. So I've always said, you know, everyone's stressed out. It's how you respond to stress. So um, you can choose to let the stress just overwhelm you, or you can choose to, to take a moment to pray, to meditate, to take deep breaths. So it's uh, really a matter of learning how to decompress on a daily basis. Um, I think most people know I have four children and when the kids were, and they're all within uh, a five, I was, I was pregnant for five years straight. So they're all within a short amount of time. Uh, so at one point I had a baby, a two and a half year old, a three and a half year old and a four and a half year old. So I had four children, all under five. And people would see me and they'd go, oh my God, how are you able to manage? Or if I come to the office, people go, oh my God, how are you able to manage? You're a full-time doctor and you have four toddlers basically. But I never let the kids stress me out. One, it's of course how you raise them, discipline, but the kids never stressed me out. I was busy all the time. I was busy. I was tired a lot, but I didn't really feel stressed out. I was busy here when I came home. I was cooking and cleaning and um, doing you know, schoolwork with the children and preschool work with them. So it's just a matter of being able to 
not let things overwhelm you, but knowing that you can manage um, if you just are orderly and disciplined. Um, so we don't have to let stress tidal wave over us. We can always manage stress. Uh, the next one is to eat early and to eat light. And I think a lot of people are aware that in a lot of European countries, their heaviest meal is their midday meal. So they have a light breakfast, they have a heavy midday meal, and then they have a light dinner. And here in the States, uh, it's the heaviest meal is usually the evening, but that's only been for about maybe the last 60 years or so. Um, in the 1800s, maybe because we were closer to still being European here, um, 1800s and earlier, we had the same thing, especially in the country. So you'd have breakfast, you'd have breakfast late uh, because you'd go out on the, the fields, work, or you'd go out to factories, work, and you'd go early in the morning. So you'd go before you were hungry. You'd have breakfast late. So breakfast would be like at 10, 11 o'clock. Then you'd have supper, and supper would be the heavy meal. Supper would be like two or so, um, even three especially out on farms, and then you'd have dinner, and dinner would just be a light repast, and that would be around six or so. So we have the same scenario here in the States until around, um, probably a little bit after, after World War II, I think around World War II, so, so the 40s to early 50s or so. So um, he says that, yes, the smallest meal of the day should be what we call dinner and then eat nothing for the rest of the day. And I think we, we all know when most of us were growing up, I shouldn't even say that. I don't know who's watching me. So when I was growing up in the, um, the 70s and then a little bit, but I was born in the late 60s. So in the 70s and 50s to the probably 80s or so, early 80s or so, uh, there wasn't, people didn't snack. We didn't eat in between meals because we didn't want to ruin our supper, uh, ruin our, our appetite um, for lunch or for supper. Uh, we didn't have snack time at school. I never had snack time at school. We had breakfast before we went to school. We had a lunch box. We would have class. We'd have lunch break. We'd eat lunch. And then we'd have class till we went home. And when I went home, we didn't have a snack because it would ruin our appetite for dinner. So we didn't have a snack, came home, played or did homework, ate dinner, and then nothing after dinner. So this whole phenomenon of eating snacks, I mean, the kids have snack time before lunch, and then they have like a snack time after lunch. And then this whole idea of multiple small meals, it really doesn't doesn't pan out that that's a way for longevity uh, because really longevity is also stressing your body a little bit, which is what Dr. Sinclair says. He says you should um, not snack frequently because, of course, we're keeping our insulin levels high and insulin also is a, increases aging, increases weight gain, all of that. So we should skip breakfast maybe eat a really late lunch. And that goes along with David Butner because he says in these blue zones, people don't eat a lot. They eat till they're about 80% full. And then they don't eat in between meals. They have a light breakfast, a light dinner, and then their heaviest meal is lunch or what we used to call supper. Um, he also says you should take a nip. So um, that moderate drinkers outlive 
teetotalers or non-drinkers. Um, Dr. Sinclair thinks this is related to resveratrol. So he's not talking about like having whiskey or scotch every day. He's talking about having a glass of red wine. So we know that's very popular in Italy. It's popular in South America. It's popular in um, a large part of Greece. Now the, Greece, the Greeks, almost like Grecians, <laughs> that's like you know, ancient Greece, they called them Grecians, but now we just say the Greeks. Tikanos, Tikanate, that's Greek. Uh, so the the Greeks, they mostly drink white wine or even like ouzo, uh, uh, which is a form of wine, but um, predominantly it's the red wine because of the resveratrol. So the um, skin of the grapes, the darker the grape, uh, the more it's been under stress and the more protective kind of um, hormones that it produces to protect itself. And one of those is resveratrol. And resveratrol has been linked to increasing your intake of resveratrol has been linked to increasing uh, the sirtuin uh, pathway, which is a longevity pathway. Basically, it helps protect our DNA and the telomeres. So Dr. Sinclair goes into a lot of detail on that. But basically, uh, David Bootner says the same thing, having a glass of wine, one or two glasses of wine a day, with friends and family not sequestered in, in in an isolation box by yourself so socializing at the same time um this is going on for a bit of time so i'm trying to keep these close uh close to uh, like under 10 minutes and i just realized it's getting to be a long long talk so i'm going to stop right there and then i'm going to do a second half where i go into the rest of the nine rules for a long life and um, Dr. Sinclair's um, additions to that. So thank you for joining me at uh, GYN Corner. This is Dr. McDaniel. Please hit the like, subscribe, and follow buttons if you enjoy the content. Please leave a message if you have um, ideas or requests for future presentations. Have a great rest of your day. Bye.